What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Spitting Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name's Anaya, a.k.a. Naya Fire, your co-host. And then I got my man's Kaylin. It's been a while. Oh, yeah, it, it has been. I, I, I've been anxious for this show to get back on track because we, we hit a little snag, a couple conferences, a couple media days, and the summer league in town. That, but we're back on the road. We all had an intermission. We just had a quick, brief intermission. We have been working a lot, being very productive. We haven't been lazy yet. We haven't even gotten a chance to be lazy with all of uh, the sports things going around the city lately, Caitlin, huh? I haven't even had a chance to breathe. I've been, I've had two summer classes in addition to working 12 hours a day at Summer League, in addition to working 12 hours a day at Media Days. it's just been hectic these past couple weeks, and it's finally come to a point where it's slowed down and get back to my routine. Yes, yes. Um, we hope that you did miss us. Um, this is going to be our 17th episode. We're going to call it 17 weeks because there are 17 weeks in the season, and we are just approaching three weeks away, Kaylin, right? You said three weeks away from the, from the preseason, yeah. Just- yeah. So we're going to get right into it. Things that we'll be discussing today uh, is stadium news featuring how AEG is signing off on some events, helping hands surrounding uh, the Las- well, the Raiders move to Las Vegas, and some more Las Vegas sports. All that and more here on Spitting Silver and Black. I'm going to jump right into, all. first of all, just hitting the stadium. So before we hit the stadium, that's being built. And during 2020, all eyes are on Las Vegas uh, looking for different venues around the city. And on Review Journal, and Mick Aker talked about the league, the NFL wanting a stadium on a Bellagio fountain. Yes, yes. And that would be a really great place to be in the draft, uh, for the draft. But the location, the location is everything. So, as the Bellagio sits on Las Vegas Boulevard, different questions arise about the accessibility to watch the event, um, how much traffic that would be. I know that um, Akers was saying in an interview with the Review Journal that there would gonna there's gonna have to be several road closures two weeks prior to the event, and then another two weeks leading up to the event. So. Well, would that be roughly a month of construction and getting everything done for everybody to be able to navigate through the city safely, Kim? Yeah. And then another issue they're looking at is that Bellagio's private property. So would they actually allow the NFL to be there? Because when the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago, you had the you had oh, a yeah. local band here that was performing there, but the Bellagio wouldn't allow media there or anything there because it's private property and they didn't want to give away a free show. They only wanted the people there to experience it. So and with oh. Panic at the disco and you know, so there's a problem they face there they have faced the previous years, but on the other hand, it gives them a chance to show this is who we are and to give themselves a nice background to the draft, kind of advertise for them. Yeah, and I think that Bellagio would just honestly, they're smart. Um, they have, they're not a stranger this to this completely, like you've mentioned. 
uh, with the, I believe it was Imagine Dragons, and then it was Panic at the Disco. Um, but also with the Billboard Awards is in town. A few years back, Drake actually performed on the water at the Bellagio near the fountains, and nobody even knew. So um, only the people on Las Vegas uh, knew. So again, uh, that issue with the media, they're going to have to have access covering uh, the actual event. So there can be a little um, thing off there, but I think uh, with uh, more people being added uh, to the Las Vegas com- events committee, um, more people coming from there to uh, the chairs with the stadium and dif- different um, Raider event sports that we have here. I think that there'll be a, a more negotiation and, and push for them to sign off on it because I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. And another problem they face as well with Panic at the Disco, the fountains went off while they were actually performing there, so everyone got drenched. So, they want to come up <laughs> the fountains because it's a landscape, it's a, one of those sites that people want to see when they're in Las Vegas. And then, again, you know, water and everything, is it worth it for them to cover it up? Because Caesars this past year was the casino entertainment company that lost a ton of money and they brought you people in but they're the ones who are soon going to be sold to El Dorado resorts but thing is do you want to cover up those majestic fountains for the draft and you have to shut them off in order for the draft not to be drenched in water I'm sure it would be prepared for them but again panic at the disco they were all drenched in water and they were scheduled to perform on the water and the safety factor as well. It's going to be, see, there is like a kind of like a mounted stage already in the water. Just for, I believe, just like safety regulations. And I remember a long time ago, Siegfried and Roy would, there would be like different things in the water. But you have to build a stage. And you have to build something to connect people to get from on and off the stage. It has to be something that you would trust. Putting your announcers in the middle of the stage, putting the players in the middle of the stage, and anything can go anything can go wrong. So um, they did mention different um, the other different venues around uh, Las Vegas that would be willing to sign off. Yeah, they did, and they included the link where they're actually building and planning a building an ESPN studio in the link. Also, the Smith Center for Performing Arts in downtown Las Vegas, which is beautiful inside. If you imagine the New York City and where they had in Radio City Music Hall, the Smith Center is performing arts. It's beautiful. People put a lot of money and donated a ton of money for that to be built. And then you have T-Mobile Arena, Tio Plaza, Park Theater, Thomas and Max favorite. Yeah. And, but that's tier two. Tier one is, you know, T-Mobile is the other favorite after and if they can't get on the Bellagio because it's a sports site and it shows the first professional sports league in Las Vegas and how the city has rallied around the sports teams. It kind of shows the expansion of the city. Yes, yes. And I mean... I think it would be a great idea for it just to be in Las Vegas anyway. 
So once we find somewhere, we're no stranger. The, the city is no stranger to tourism. And if we're looking back at uh, this year in Nashville, I believe it was, um, it was in Nashville, correct? Yeah, yeah. Over 600,000 yeah. attendees for the draft. So for with all the money going into it, uh, the product, I think, will be um, exponentially a return on the investment. Yes, and even Nashville was labeled Nash Vegas by some, as I know I spoke a couple hours early, a couple shows earlier, not hours earlier. All this time just seems to blend together, you know. But they, you know, the Las Vegas they Council side and uh, Mr. Hill, uh, Steve Hill, for the convention authority and stadium authority director, so that Nashville did a great job. It was a nice environment, and we're looking forward to hosting that draft next year and taking it to even greater heights. Greater heights is only what Vegas can do. Of course, you would know that because you're a local. Yes, yes, you know. I've been here for just about 21 years now, and I know I've, we've always had different events here. We just have to go bigger and better. And I think that just having, starting off having the small uh, Raiders events, it makes it even more real. And with them developing uh, new and different uh, stadiums, think about um, one stadium in Las Vegas is quietly being built along with the Las Vegas Stadium. So we already have T-Mobile, Las Vegas. We have the Park MGM Arena. Now we're getting... Madison Square Garden Sphere. Um, I think it's really it's 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 crazy. It's called the Dream Stage, and and the 2020 draft could be, um, either in the Shift Fountains, which would be great, and if it had time, the MSG Sphere. So, um, I think that'd be a really big one. It's it's kind of copying off of Madison Square Garden in New York. Um, but it's going to be an actual globe and it kind of resembles the world. And it's going to be a digital outside for, for you guys don't know. It's going to be digital outside. You can Google the pictures and I think it'll be a well, uh, arena suitable for the 2020 draft too. So they have a lot of different scenarios that they can and different options that they can take here in Las Vegas because it's so much. Yeah. And talking about one of those many options and available things is having celebrities and people at the games and incorporated into the draft selection. The NFL right now, according to McAker's article, is that they're considering having the Coliseum uh, celebrities like Celine Dion and Elton John go into his practice facility featuring players like the top goalie in the league um, as well as Derek England and Jonathan Marshall and all the rest of those players playing Hollywood with Backstreet Boys, Pitbull, or Jennifer Lopez, Lopez. or Lake characters with various properties on strip, and even Pawn Stars like Rick Harrison, Chum Lee, and Corey, and all of them. They think about having it them incorporate into it because that is the Vegas landscape as the public sees it. Yeah, maybe Tenen. They get Penn and Teller out there, or um, Lance Gross, or the cast uh, from more on the news. Yeah, so um, it's a lot of different Vegas celebrities that they have in influencers that can bring uh, a lot of people out. Not that uh, we need that, 
but um it's good to see the city's celebrities incorporated and supporting uh Las Vegas sports. Definitely, because without their support it couldn't happen in Vegas because MGM controls T Mobile and they control a lot of other areas around town and having them involved, having different people involved in it is only going to make it that much better because incorporating the different entities and everyone is going to be excited because MGM covered up the New York New York Statue of Liberty for the Golden Knights when they went to the Stanley Cup and for the Aces and when they put jerseys over the statue and having them incorporate in the Raiders, who knows, they might even put a Raiders uh, jersey on them, which they probably will anyways. Literally sh- putting the support on showing uh, the city support for the sports. I love it. And I mean, someone else that the city, the city's hired already have supported, showed their support with um, tragic events that happened, like um, the terrible shooting in October 1st. Yeah, and if I Go ahead. can speak, um, they were initially going to have, and think about having, hosting on those festival grounds, but one October changed the whole director, whole committee's feeling on that, and they nixed that plan altogether. Yeah, um, that that incident had, uh, for a long time, stopped a lot of it stopped it stopped a lot of uh, events and tourism in Las Vegas. Um, a lot of uh, events slowed down. People, Las Vegas wasn't getting booked for a lot of shows. So, um, but what I'm getting to the point is Las Vegas, um, people here in the city are able to show their support and rally behind things. And, um, one, that one person that we supported and we mentioned on the show recently was James Holzauer, uh, the recent winner of 33 rounds on Jeopardy, one, over one hundred million dollars. Um, he had fourteen point five million viewers on Jeopardy's final episode uh, that he was on, um, and he's been out in the city being spotted by a lot of vegans, and they've been noticing him. And he said that he's been getting a lot of feedback. But who knew um, Jose Ara had such a um, big interest in football? Um, because recently, uh, Peter King, uh, from NBC, uh, from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports, um, talked to him at a local Jack in the Box. He likes, for some reason, he likes those. Has anybody, have you ever tried the little, uh, Coke freestyle machine? Like, um, in, instead of I, machine, it's. I've, had, I've tried one, and those things are the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> different lemonades you can they have all the lemonades all the coke flavors but anyway yeah he talked to um peter king and he spoke about something interesting about how um, the nfl is changing um and he said he's a really big football better um and he said he goes to a lot of different sports sports books in las vegas and he was asked if he had to pick a team or two to make it to the super bowl he said the, the boring answer would be patriots and rams but he said um this is what he said on Sunday afternoon. Everyone knows these guys are the best teams out there, but if you're looking to invest in a futures ticket, then I would say the best thing to avoid is 
Look away from the teams that have all of the hype surrounding them. I can't believe we live in a world where the Cleveland Browns are the most hyped team in the preseason. But I would say they're probably the single worst bet to win the Super Bowl right now. Close quote. What do you say about that, Galen? I thought that would be two. Those those are definitely two narratives that align, and I thought about you. I want to give you that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that because I read that I did read that article, and it was. I thought yes, Cleveland is definitely the worst bet right now because all the hype is on them, the spotlight is on them, and those teams who have players and try to turn around in one year they make it to the playoffs but they don't always make it to the Super Bowl you need to find the underdog like Jacksonville that one year a couple years ago like the Steelers they could sneak into the playoffs mm-hmm. you look at the Raiders for example they could sneak into the playoffs this year even though I don't project them but they might be a good bet based on the value because when you bet you look at the value of the team you don't look at, hey, this team is the best and I'm going to bet them, because that's not how you make your money. You're making money by betting teams that are undervalued, like in 2016, 2017, with Jacksonville making it to the AFC Championship game. That's how you make your money, because there are at, at prize teams every year, and the betters pick them, and they know which teams are undervalued. And that's what James Holzhauer is looking for. He's not looking for to bet the easy bets. He's looking to make money setting because that's how he lives his life. Oh, that's 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 like a mouthful. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I just think yeah. it's a nice uh, a nice some narratives that uh, kind of parallel with that. And another thing I wanted to talk about Salen Kalen was the stadium. The stadium, man, so um just the two weeks during the summer league I was looking at the stadium at the Thomas and Mac every day, driving to the stadium. It looked like it got so much bigger just in two weeks, just watching it, paying attention-wise, because you can literally see the whole... It looks like right now, it looks like a birdcage, like a bird's nest. Kind of... Um, think about think about Beijing's um, bird's nest, and then like think about the Coliseum here in... Uh, Las Vegas. Doesn't it kind of look like that? Now? With the yeah, 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 I I can ima- I can imagine that. I can see that because with those sheets of metal that are going up on top right now and supporting beams to hold the ceiling, roof, glass on top, exterior, but I, it kind of looks like that because the different pieces look like different twigs, branches, leaves, and natural things that birds use to put together. And it looks like an unfinished product because there's so many holes like they're in a bird's nest. It's round like a bird's nest, but there's holes that they haven't finished yet. Same with a bird's nest because bird's nest is not necessarily permanent. It's there for a short period of time. Okay, I'd like to mention they have different um, things, different factors that are going into building the stadium. First of all, they have two different shifts. They actually have two different shifts for the stadium. Um, the construction workers are working against the heat. 
they are working a different against all uh, different uh, the whole Las Vegas environment. Um, they're working against time. So like I mentioned, there's two shifts. Uh, the first shift is at 5 a.m. and then it runs to like uh, mid afternoon. The second shift starts at 4 p.m. and runs to 2 a.m. according uh, to M- NBC Sports. So I want to give a shout out and a thanks to the construction workers who are working around the clock to get this done. And, and like I said, the heat is a really big issue in Las Vegas just for the fans who are going to be sitting in the stadium. Um, exactly. If I may butt yeah. in here, sorry, sorry about it, but I talked to an iron worker who's, who I'm good friends with. He said that, in, imagine, on the ground surface, it's 110, right? <laughs> but with those workers on the steel beams, it has to be 140, Woo! 150. Those, those steel beams back the heat, and that is hot stuff you're working with. It's not easy to be up there eight hours, at least eight hours a day. It's, it's hard enough being up there. But and you add on the heat to that and the heat that that steel track, that's unbearable for the majority of the population. You have to give props to them for being there in areas that I would deem to dangerous myself. Yeah, and it, it is excruciating and extremely hot. And, you know, heat does rise. So um, those guys on the on those cranes, like that's... That's definitely, uh, like I said, you have to give them respect because that's a job that I definitely wouldn't be able to undertake. But my my point of saying, mentioning the heat, was that um, MSC, excuse me, Peter King, um, a journalist for NBC Sports, he had a spoke and took a tour around the um, Raider Stadium. And he said that there was going to be 9,000 uh, tons of cooling in the stadium. So, and the roof will also have other elements to block significant portions of solar radiation. And the seating areas will all have uh, cooling temperatures. It's trying to make it in the 70s uh, with a full attendance. You have to think about the added people and the body heat in the stadium. So, they're going to try to keep the temperature in the stadium around the 70s. Um, also, an- another addition is the Al Davis Memorial Torch. It's going to be a 90-foot high structure with an eternal flame in honor uh, that, that Mark Davis really wanted. He wanted that honor his father um, and give the Raiders a home with the stadium. Um, so it's going to be really tall, and it's going to be on the east side of the stadium. And it's going to be a signature for the stadium. Also, there's going to be – I'm trying to understand this part. Um, the stadium will be domed by a semi-translucent roof. And the playing surface will be natural grass. Natural grass in Las Vegas is literally like seeing a purple elephant. <laughs> like there's only, you really don't see that much natural grass. It's grass. It's going to be a turf or it's going to be like the fake grass, you know? So Well, especially after the housing crisis yeah. because people were paid to get rid of their grass, but stones in. Because there wasn't enough money to keep watering everything, mm-hmm. so they were paid to put stones in. So it's got gotten even rarer over the years. Yeah, the stadium's gonna have different natural lighting. Um, the outdoor, you know, it's gonna be like a little outdoor visual 
uh, that overlooks uh, the Las Vegas Strip. Um, and it's just safe to say that this stadium is a world-class stadium that will be in what will soon be the sports mecca of the world. Yeah, if it is if it isn't already, already, I mean, you have sports betting, you have pro sports, you have college division one sports that have won national titles, you have world the world tennis team, which is a brand new sport in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and it, it's just growing by a day with even sports that you never heard of before. Yes, and like um another thing that has been in my life for the past few weeks is. In Las Vegas, there's always around this time, um, starting from the end of June, definitely beginning of July and the end of August, middle August, there's always different AAU basketball tournaments in town. And I had the pleasure to work at the Jam On It tournament and the girls basketball balling in a ballroom here at Lake Las Vegas. And I filmed those tournaments for Baller TV. And I actually spotted um, UNLV's basketball head coach for the uh, women's basketball um what is her name i know her name let me oh yeah i, I bet you do it's an easy it, name it, kathy olivia kathy i knew it was kathy and i want to say her name last right yeah olivia i got to see her yesterday i seen herself um in different scouts for kent state cal um kansas state um different uh, a lot of different uh uh, play uh, colleges in the Mountain West and uh, Pac-10 and, and 12, excuse me, um, scouting out different young athletes here in the Valley. So you see as a lot of, it's Las Vegas is already known for different sports to congregate and a lot of people are seen and found here and stars are made. Yeah, definitely. And because it's not just women's, there's men's basketball, there's USA basketball, which players with new teams this year are kind of opting out. Yeah. Opting out because they want to acclimate to the new team, new city, and everything. And so you have that going on. You have Summer League going on over the Summer League, the NBA Summer League, and you have a lot of different sporting events and other events like the what like with what AEG is about to do with the Raiders Stadium to bring in forty six events at the stadium. So you have events of all different types, plus you have entertainment on top of that. So it's endless the amount of sporting events, now just regular events that are in Las Vegas. I heard the NCAA wants to put their basketball games, Final Four regional sites in the Raiders Las Vegas Stadium because it's such a huge venue. So you have all these sporting events that want to come into Las Vegas, making it expand, 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 and you're wondering when it'll stop, but it'll never stop, just like the construction. (laughs) Ah, you are funny, Kaylin. (laughs) No. Um... That is something in Las Vegas that is reoccurring. So maybe if we can get sports as as reoccurring as as construction, then I think we've made it. (laughs) 
and talking about making it. So as uh, Kaylin, you were telling me the other day how um, Jeff Fisher is going to be um, giving a helping hand and giving some advice to Gruden on the franchise move to Vegas. Yeah, I was giving that because if you know anything about Jeff Fisher's history, he's moved twice with two different organizations. Tight. From Texas to Tennessee to L.A. He was with the Oilers in 94. He served as infant coach before becoming the top man in 95 to 96 and moved to Nashville prior to the 97 season. So he's on hand for that move so he knew and how to invest in a city with the Oilers, Titans. He was with them until mm-hmm. 2010, according to uh, John Newby of 24-7 Raiders site. And so he was involved in that move. And then a couple years removed from the NFL, he went to St. Louis and became the Rams coach. But everyone knows it happened to the Rams. Jeff Fisher who everyone thought of as a 79 coach, after a number of years, moved to L.A. in the 2016 season to L.A. on the West Coast. So he had to keep his team, keep his team together, in which case everyone praised him for bring, keeping his team together. And so he had to keep locking him, keep everyone together, and tell them what to do in the city in order to not be distracted by all the new things around them. So just to be able to keep that locker room together, be able to do what he did with certain teams in order to maintain consistency is well-respected around the league and among his coaches that work with him. And so he's going out and helping the Raiders and teaching them how to maintain that consistency and how to not be as distracted. Yeah, and I mean, it, it it says it all in the headline. Fisher has already coached two and helped two expansion teams. So what he was saying and telling Gruden, he focused on three different roles. He said, focus on the team, focus on the players because they can get distracted easily uh, with the big move, with the move already, with them trying to figure out where their life is going, with the media, all different factors affecting them. So it's important to keep the players just not distracted um, and having them focus and he said to make sure the team focuses on one thing and one thing only and that's to win. Yeah. And Gruden knows that already because as we've been saying on previous episodes Raiders need to win in Las Vegas when they move here because people want to go see a winning team and keeping the locker room together and having and learning from a coach who did that successfully from two different moves, it's only it's all the better for Gruden because Gruden has never moved a team. He's moved himself from Oakland to Tampa Bay, but he hasn't moved with a team like Oakland to Las Vegas to a new city. So this is a different venture for him and leaning on someone with expertise in that field and Jeff Fisher gladly giving the help that is needed is all the better for the Raiders. Yes, and you you're right. Like the Raiders can't just come here and lose. Like it doesn't work like that. Like Las Vegas is 
the only place where you you can't come here and just be bad. <laughs> like all the nights kind of kind of did it set the bar, you know. The Aces did great in their season, their first season. So their the opening season, we have a bar to set, and Las Vegas only does one thing, the only way, and it's big. Yeah, and talk about the Aces. That's actually where Mark Davis goes to a lot of the games, almost every game, because he wants to show and he supports all the team cities, even those that are not as expected as others, in which case the Aces sold about half the arena every game, and Mark Davis is present there and incorporating himself in every facet of the city as possible. It almost feels like... And like you were saying, um, the Oakland Raiders, along with the owner, Mark Davis, he was speaking about the Aces the other day, and he was explaining how, how much it's important for the Raiders to already uh, show their support um, for the Aces. And he distributed with him, with the Raiders, 16,000 tickets uh, for the Aces, uh, to the Aces organization. So we can fill up more seats. Yeah, which is good because it's helping that team and it's helping the players around show that they have a future because bringing girls to the game, women to the game, bringing people all different races, ethnicities yeah. to the game and the on is and we're going to help that organization and then the Aces in return will help Mark Davis out by showing him in a positive light. In yeah, and the Raiders States. plan on distributing the tickets to um, games of the families of the team, as well as uh, Southern Nevada youth organizations, Clark County School District uh, High School girls basketball teams, which will be really good, and for junior high school as well, of the Las Vegas uh, Junior Aces, National Youth Sports in Nevada, and Henderson Parks and Rec. So, that's going to reach a lot of children in the city. And, like, I don't even think they're not they even do. the first to do it. Um, Arden Key and Colton Miller, uh, they went to uh, Red Rock uh, to support the fourth annual Las Vegas All-Star Bowling Classic. Classic. So those are um, two Raiders. They competed in a local with the local youth and their families to raise money for critical programs. So a lot of giving back from um, people's in the Raiders Association um, investing in people's lives in Las Vegas. Yeah, and that's only going to be for the better to help bring more sports here because we're going to show that all united. And they're not apart. They are together as one. In yeah. Well, Caitlin, I think this is a great time for a break. Um, let's take a quick break, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Don't go anywhere, and we'll be back here. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Spittin' Silver and Black on the Silver Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. Hey, I told you we'd be right back. We are back on Spittin' Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on, you know, you guessed it, SB Nation. Make sure you guys go ahead and follow our podcast on Spotify. Yeah, and then also make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm Kaylin Sotel, 
at two, number two. And go ahead and follow me on Twitter at A-N-I-E-A Sports. So, um, recently, Kaylin, you spoke to someone, uh, an athlete who was uh, playing at the Drew League and also the NBA Summer League. And it's kind of some kind of parallel yeah, with a, a Raider it. player. That's what you were telling me? It's like a nice slight parallel. Yeah, yeah. Because Keith Smith, the Raiders fullback, who was recently diagnosed with knee injury, sent him out for a couple of weeks. He, his same name, one of the players, Keith Smith, same name, different person. I met a Keith Smith over at the NBA Summer League. In the last couple of weeks, he was the Drew League MVP. He has all, he was almost up a player of the year. He played against NBA players. He played against high caliber players in the Drew League. And to be named defensive MVP, that league was cool. And then you yeah, add on top of that, it's going, I thought, hey, why don't we talk to him and have him on the show? Because I thought everyone could be interested in what Braun did. Summer League brought Braun to Vegas and how Vegas helped someone's brand. And I wanted to help showcase him by displaying what he has in store. And I want to talk about his story. So here is Keith Smith, the Drew League MVP. Hello, I'm here with my buddy Keith Smith. He's not the fullback from the Raiders, but he was the Drew League MVP of this past season of the Drew League in 2018. And how are you doing today, Keith? I'm doing pretty good, and you? I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm living life, you know, day, day by day, taking it slow, you know, or trying to. At least. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so for the people who don't know what the Drew League is, I know – and I've heard that it is um, a league where players in the NBA play in it and future NBA players play in the Drew League. And it really helps to enhance someone's brand. Right. But what exactly is the Drew League for those who don't know? Can you describe that? Because, of course, you played in it and you were one of the stars of the league. Uh, I would say the Drew League is uh, one of the top program basketball leagues. Um, in the summertime, uh, it's held in Los Angeles, California. Uh, the Drew League uh, have a lot of high level talent players that come through every every summer, and uh, you will see like like you said, future NBA guys coming through there playing, showcasing their talent. Uh, ex NBA guys going there showcasing their talent, and a lot of high level overseas guys that's going that plays there. And uh, I would say. Uh, it's it's a it's a great experience, like you know, for guys like me that's trying to uh, showcase my talent and put myself out there, and um, it just uh, you know overall uh, one of the top program leads. Uh, I think anybody should go play in if they you know like uh, trying to do the same thing I'm trying to do, which is uh, put themselves out there. And uh, it's it's a lot of high level talent that you'll be playing against, uh, and um, it'll be great to you know go up against. Uh, NBA guys, you know what I mean. So that's 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 what the Drew lead is. And what were some? Of course, you won the and you were a player. Of the, yeah, nominated yeah. for Player of the Year as 
yeah, defensive player of the year, as some people have told me, and you were, uh, and you right. won that nomination. But what players and what talent and what exactly specific players did you ha- have to play against? Um, I played against um, a couple guys I played in the NBA. Uh, I could name a few of them. Um, one of them name is DeLon Wright. I think he played for the uh, Memphis Grizzly right now. No matter of fact, I think he played for the Dallas Mavericks now. I think he just signed with them this summer. I played against him. Uh, I played against a guy named Bobby Brown. He played uh, played for the Houston Rockets a couple years ago. Uh, I played against this guy named um, Jonathan Gibson. Uh, he played overseas and he played in the NBA for a stint. Um, uh, I came across a, a dude named Frank Nitty. He actually won MVP at the Drew Lee three years in a row. Um, it's it's a lot of high level talent that I ha- I have played against to get that defensive player of the year in which um, I actually did a great job on on playing defense against those guys and and for me to win that award it was like you know a testament of uh, my hard work that I put in on and off the court um, uh, and and it, I prime myself uh, on, on to play hard on the defensive end so it was a big accomplishment for me to from winning that thank thank you Mister Smith, thank you, Keith. I really appreciate that, and so great to hear about you and all the great things that you are doing in the community and what you are doing to help improve your brand and to hear about how Las Vegas helps you and how what you have done in your career and how you have played at the highest level. It is so great to hear from you, and I wish you luck, my brother, in the next yeah, uh, thanks so much uh, for speaking with my man, uh, uh, Kaylin, and we're proud and glad to have you on Spitting Silver and Black. And we're going to be following your journey. Everything look, is looking up, and we can't wait for a follow-up here soon. Now, you know one of I our agree. staple segments on this show is our Greater Raider. Yeah, and so we haven't done a Grader Raider in about two weeks. So I'll go ahead and let you guys know who my Grader Raider is. And of course, you guys haven't heard from my cousin Lola. Um, Lola is back, and she's here to deliver why safety Carl Joseph is my Greater Raider. So the reason Carl Joseph is Lola's great serrator is because according to the Reyes Wire uh, and spinning from the Spitting Silver and Black Network, um, Carl Joseph says he wants to be, and I quote, one of the best players to ever play pro football. And to, to me, that is admirable because you should always want to be the best. You should always want to be the best. So. Joseph, he has only had three years in the league, but his mission is clear. He was drafted in the first round in 2016, and he sat on the bench um, last season, um, but he ended the year as the Oakland's highest-rated defender, according to Pro Football Focus. He got a lot of praise from John Gruden, but he was on the little chopping block a little bit um, because he was facing... A lot of trade rumors. But, but 
um, there was a light because the Raiders didn't pick up um, any safeties during, uh, during draft. And they didn't want his uh, fifth-year option of his rookie contract. They didn't want to because he's going to be a free agent this year. But, but morally, and Joseph is focused on football. And when he quoted, he said, when it's all said and done, I want to be one of the best players to ever play the game. That's my mindset. So all the long, so it's all about the longevity and doing all of the little things. Don't want to get too high or too low. Just work hard. I mean, it's not, we're not clear of what Gruden and Mike Mayock will, will do with Joseph, but it may be due to his lack of size, but that never has once, um, make or broke his career because he's, uh, about, what, six foot, six foot, 200, 205 pounds. And he is driven and focused. I like that just because the trade rumors and his uncertainty, if he's going to be on the team or not, he still wants to be one of the best players to ever play the game of football. And that's why Carl Joseph, with his heart, is my greater rater. Oh, wow. Um, there's a huge amount that you just said. I don't know if I can follow it up, but I'll try. I, I'm going to nominate, and it, you might not a census, but Keith Smith has my greater rater. Even though he's a fullback and injured right now, I won't have a chance to play in camp. He's projected to be on the roster this season and going to be one of the points in the run game, in the blocking game, that Raiders will rely on with the fullback. A lot of mm-hmm. rosters these days do not carry a fullback, but the Raiders are expected to mm-hmm. because it fits in John Gruden's system. And with him having this minor setback of a knee injury and such, it's only going to set him back a couple weeks. So he'll hopefully get back up to speed in, in enough time to give him enough time to practice when he comes back. I know there are a lot of birthdays while we were gone, but with me interviewing another Keith Smith in another sport, and with Keith Smith expected to be a part of what the Raiders do this season, I thought it was good to nominate him as my greater Raider. But before we end the show there, we're recording this show on Thursday, July 25th. And news just break, broke that according to Paul Gutierrez of ESPN, the Raiders had the option to return to Napa in 2020 for training, for practice, for training camp. And that is amazing because it's going to do yeah. it Oakland and still keep their home base there alive and fresh. And they want to have as many fans, they want to reach out to you, the fans in Oakland, as much as they can. And this is just giving back to the community there, thanking them for all that they have. And to, for them to exercise that, and for them to be at least expected to exercise that, that fan base and everyone listening to this should be happy because it means that they're gone but not forgotten. That saying when Teal passed away, but they're they'll be having left Oakland, but they'll still be there because they care about you. Yes, and, and it, it does. Um, that just that sharing that piece of news. 
also uh, relieves um, the people who live in Oakland and the people who just live in California, period, and are fans of the Raiders, they know that, okay, yes, this is uh, no longer the team that we love is no longer going to be playing in our city. However, training camp, something that has been a tradition, is still going to take place in Napa. Well, well has a chance to take place in Napa, and that still lets uh, the the fans and on the bay in the Bay Area know that we still rock with you. You know, we started with you guys. We have to end with you guys, and uh, that there are still no, even though that they are relocating in sit in the city, that they're still loyal to Oakland. Yeah, and that's all the better for the fans, better for the city, and better for everyone involved because they don't burn a bridge and they bridge that gap. Even though they're leaving, they don't want to leave and they still love you guys. Yeah, I think that's a great um, SB Nation Silver and Black uh, exclusive. Definitely, definitely. And so... That concludes the, our seventeenth well, episode. One second, one, one, wait, just one second. Oh. I wanna, I wanna mention something. If, if, if I have a little time here, I wanna mention something that's been bugging yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm out here. I wanna right get here. a little, get a little something off my chest. I didn't know that this was a big deal, but the fate of the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr, has been getting his name dragged and drug throughout the media. And I am trying to figure out why. It, it feels like it's random and it feels like he's just the guy to pick on. Um, recently, um, Gruden had a uh, press conference and he was asked a lot about um, Derek Carr. And in the press conference, he said, Carr is a franchise quarterback. He's here to stay. As long as the Raiders can continue to build a team around him, he'll be fine. Now, he didn't rule out the possibility of them adding another quarterback during free agency. Not that he just has to say that. He didn't say he wouldn't. But, um, you know, others like Marshawn Lynch and Jerry Cook, they're up for free agency as well. But back to Carr. Why are so many people. Um, just discrediting him and saying that he can't fit, saying that he's going to be gone, um, hinting to him uh, being out, this being his last season. And I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from. Now, I did see in one article, um, I seen in one car- article on uh, NBC Sports, uh, that uh, an anonymous coach said to the uh, journalist, he said that Derek Carr is sensitive and he needs encouragement. And that is not the own, that is not the style he's going to get. Um, that's what the offensive coach, anonymous coach, said to journalist Sando. He said also, when someone shows disappointment in him, he shrinks. Now, I don't know who this assistant coach was, but that does why suck. does that have to just hit those words? Why does it have to play into Derek Carr's fate? Of being the Raiders quarterback as if they're looking for another one during the draft they they did have their eyes on Kyler Murray but they didn't get him so why I would think just due to the draft 
that should shut everybody up about this Carmen's. But what are your thoughts, Galen? I think that Carr is a great quarterback, that he's going to play to the level that he has always played to prior to his injury because he's had an offseason to rest. And prior to his knee injury, he was one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Ex- explains why he has 20, a $25 million a year contract. And I think it's just ludicrous. It doesn't sound like his behavior at all. It seems like he's a real leader in the locker room and the person who everyone looks up to and the veteran in the locker room who people want to be like. And he sounds like he's beloved by teammates, according to everything I read, the Bleach Report, to ESPN, to almost everything on NBC, and everything like that. It it just doesn't sound like him. And with the media doing this to him, it's not fair, because a player should not have to worry and look behind his back to someone else, that someone else is going to take the job. He's the leader of that team. John Gruden said it, and... Everyone looks up to him to lead the team through that tunnel each and every day, each and every game. And he, he shouldn't have to worry about his job or anything. And John Gruden kind of did put an end to that with his quote. But it's still going to be dragged through the media because no matter what he do, what you do, no matter which athlete you are, going to be scrutinized in some way or yeah. another and you just have to take um i board. i just wanted to understand like where it was where it was coming from because it's i think it personally it's just it's extra, it's extra and it sounds like they're just pulling this out of their hoo-hoos or woo-hahs or woo-hoos whichever one they have yeah but that's all i wanted that's all i wanted i just had to get that off my chest yeah. but um, now that that's over, um, we want to thank you guys all for listening to our 17th episode of Spitting Silver and Black. Yes, thank you very much, Evelyn. We really appreciate it. And go ahead and check out other podcasts on our Silver and Black podcast. And, and Black follow Black us podcast. on Spotify Never. at Spitting Silver and Black. And guess what? The thank Raiders are coming to Las Vegas. You are listening to Spitting Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation.